Bust my line, a couple beautiful girls tell me goodbye. Trucks break down, dogs run off, politicians lie being fired by the What's up, Edgewarmers? Special episode today. We mentioned it. We announced it. Follow us on Twitter. You should, at FEOTBpod. Uh, you know that we have a MMA guru or an <laughs> MMA medicine man coming on. <laughs> if you remember back from the Gunners and Sports Talk radio days, Rev Coca and I uh, had a, a sports talk radio show out in Gunnison that we did by ourselves and then brought in a couple of the guys on the team. And since this is such a big UFC card, we didn't have any room to talk about it in the regular episode that you guys heard yesterday. So we decided to make a full bonus episode about some UFC and why not bring on another opinion because I feel like we've been lacking in some of the love we've been giving the UFC. Yeah, the UFC, man, It's it, like we've been saying the last few weeks, it has killed it. There's one thing that kept us afloat through the whole pandemic. I mean, the only person that kept putting product out there was Dana White. And now, I mean, the world should be on notice because we had an incredible card Saturday night. It is going to be one for the books, and I can't wait for it. Rev, what do you want the people to know about you before we get into talking about this card? Yeah, so about me, and so if you're following on from the radio, you know a lot about me and how I'd geek out on MMA talk and things of that sort. But I was also a teammate of Jimmy in college at Western, and uh, we were on the radio show together. And... Cover a wide range of times, whether it be football, basketball during this playoff season. So I'm not just an MMA medicine man, as he calls it. You know, like to look at what's you know going on a little bit. But yeah, good to be back with Jimmy and the boys. You know, first time with Nico on the podcast. So first time on the far end of the bench podcast. Yeah. Rev has been a, a guest of the Center of Attention podcast, uh, but now first time on here. So. I mean, because we, we want to talk about the Nuggets, too, unfortunately. Yeah, we, we, got, we got to touch on that first. Um, you guys right. listening to this on Saturday morning. Nuggets play tonight at, I believe, 7 o'clock again on ESPN. Um, 3-1, baby. 3-1. If you've been following along to my live tweets, you'll know that I uh, went a little overboard on Thursday night and had a little fun with the refs in the league. Um, I won't get into that too much. I'll just let y'all know that you need to look that up and make sure that LeBron keeps getting his foul calls because it's going to get real bad if it doesn't keep going like that. So, but yeah, Nuggets are down three-one. This is going to be a very fun series. Hopefully, um, it came out today that Anthony Davis is questionable, so it could be a big, big momentum swing if he doesn't play Saturday night. Who knows? But Lakers are known for doing that and making their teams only uh, making players questionable, but not but still play them. So who knows? But. What? I mean, I, I still Shade, want shadiness on the side of the Lakers. <laughs> you know, how LeBron, the most honest man in basketball, getting calls. He has the league on his wrapped around his little finger. What? Yeah, ne- next week, oh, man. I'll tell you right now. It's either going to be a just complete pain, or it's just going to be the most excited you've ever heard. So, like it, it is going to be the most excited you'll ever hear me talk about the Nuggets. I'll tell you that right now. It's going to be so much fun if they win. But you guys I know. Mean, LeBron James' son smokes weed, so he can't be that good of a person. It, you know. I also have. Oh yeah, how could? Yeah, how could you? <laughs> that devil's lettuce, huh? Can't, yeah, hey, that mile high, baby. You yeah. Know, but hey, also, I also have five hundred dollars if the Nuggets win this series. I'm tripling, doubling, and, and all the way down on the Nuggets winning this series. So you, be on the lookout because we might have some uh, giveaways if the Nuggets do pull us off. Okay. You know, put five hundred on that. I don't. I have five hundred possibility to win. Okay. I have. I have about fifty bucks down on it so far, but I have a five hundred dollars return right now if the Nuggets win the series, and I thought it was worth it. I thought, why not? Jeez. It's a good story. I don't know. As a Fairwater fan, it's not necessarily pulling for either. For Denver, it's like 
they've been pulling off the mile high magic, whereas you know that's something the Broncos were known as before, pulling off mile high mile high miracles. But with the Denver Nuggets so far in this playoff series, you know, it'll just be cool to see him do it again. Whereas for this series, if LA wins, it's like, well, that's like a perfect storybook hallmark ending that you. Not even Hallmark could write that one, you know, with yeah. Kobe Bryant dying early in this season and, you know, LeBron winning it for the city of L.A., even though at first, you know, they weren't so welcome to bringing him in. And now it's like for him to be able to lead that team to the finals, that's just like a storybook type ending. It is a storybook, t- storybook type ending, but I'm telling you right now, no one this this or east of LA wants that to happen. But <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll continue on with that as the um, as the week or as the week goes along. Because if the Nuggets keep playing, we'll be live tweeting every single game for that. Um, but we will be live tweeting as well the NBA Finals, like Jimmy has been doing with the Stanley Cup as well. Yeah. So we'll have both. Um, I say the cup might be finished by the time our next episode comes out, but the NBA Finals will definitely be live tweeted as well. So if the Lakers do win, we're all 305, baby. Heat culture, I tell you right now. We're, we're full aboard the Tyler Hero train, Jimmy Butler train. So I could be, be a bucket. Pay for that. That's fine. I'll go as a bucket for Halloween. I don't care. So. Uh, but so now, uh, like we've been saying, Rev, we got you on here talking about UFC. What a card we have, man! What an absolute beautiful card. Main event: uh, Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Going to be a great main event um, for the uh, heavyweight or not heavyweight? Sorry, the middleweight championship of the world. And then you have the uh, co-main event, which is Jan Blahovich versus Dominic Reyes for the uh, light heavyweight championship. The Belt John Jones uh, vacated. So before we dive into the co-main event and the main event, we gotta talk about a little bit the undercard. Um, knowing you're an MMA junkie, you know you know a little bit about Diego Sanchez, I'm sure. Just a little um, bit. He's only been around the UFC for the past 15 years. Right? Yeah, he's, he's only 31 and 12. Yeah, he he he's been around the around the stable. That's, that's 45 fights. Yeah, him and Cowboy Cerrone man been around the been around the stable a little too long. But he's fighting Jake <laughs> Matthews. Who, who do you, who do you think comes out on top on that and um, do you think Diego Sanchez is the end of his career? Or what, what do you What do you think? Because there's reports he might fight McGregor. Who knows? What do you think? Yeah, I think the McGregor thing is kind of silly. Whereas you know McGregor's a guy who will look for the easiest possible matchup, which is the biggest payday. But like in terms of Diego Sanchez's um, matchup tomorrow, it's kind of one of those things where you have to question where Diego's headspace is at. You know, he's always been a little bit of a crazier on edge, kind of had the wild fighting style, but now he's he's hooked up with a coach in Joshua Fabio, Fabio who's like a life coach, a, um, kind of kind of a head case where exactly like what, like, does he have Diego Sanchez's best interest? Like, is he actually giving him good advice against a guy, Jake Matthews, where he hasn't quite lived up to the expectations of the young undefeated guy coming out of Australia being the next thing from the land down under, but he's still a very well-rounded, more of a grappling-based guy. You could tell over the years he's built up a lot of muscles. He's a lot physically stronger than he used to be, whereas I think it's just one of those matches where Jake Matthews will be able to, if it stays on the feet, he'll just... You know, beat him up from distance, and if it goes to the ground, I believe Matthews would be able to outmuscle Diego Sanchez there. So yeah, as of Matthews. right now, Diego Sanchez is the biggest underdog on the card, plus five hundred, which is kind of crazy. I mean, Matthews is minus seven hundred. That's impressive too, because that's yeah. a big, that's a big favorite the other way. It's 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 crazy to think how far it's down below. I mean, you you gotta think about that too as well. Like another person who had a life coach who. Didn't pay off for him as Tyron Woodley, and you saw how well that worked out for him. So. McGregor had the same thing happen to him with his movement coach. The, the UFC fighters, 
next to like baseball players and hockey players maybe are the most superstitious people I think on the planet and can will look for any little thing to give them an edge. For a while, Diego Sanchez was the guy who growled at you. Was it always in your face? The yes cartwheels. Yeah, yes. The, I mean, he was Diego the Nightmare Sanchez. He was he was known off of com- coming off of the Ultimate Fighter one as the guy who didn't. He had like a 20, 20 fight win streak or something like that. Something cr- yeah, crazy. Something like that, yeah. There's a reason he had so much hype, and now he's he's one of those guys who've played out their run, played out their hand. He's along the lines of a Nate Marquardt, where a guy who's just going way way beyond way what he longer. should. This is, I think, one of my beats of the week. We talked about it was um, Jake Matthews to win in round two is plus five fifty, and if you parlay that for Matthews to win by K or TKO, that's plus two ten. I think that's a good possibility because Diego Sanchez has been hit in the face ten million times probably. Yeah, it, it will go down. It, it it blew my mind when McGregor came out today on, on Friday saying that um, he. Uh, Sanchez was at the top of his list of, of potential <laughs> fighters to, walk, to fight. I mean, it, that's not a money fight if you're looking at McGregor. No. Sanchez, Sanchez isn't even the main event of the prelims for this card. And this card, although it's very top-heavy, it's 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 a lot of younger, up-and-coming fighters. Yeah, it's, it's not as good of a card as last week, mm-hmm. top to bottom, but the two biggest fights on the card could be better than anything it's that true. was on last week. Very true. Yeah, going back to the McGregor thing in terms of like the weird call out Diego Sanchez, I feel like you could put McGregor in a cage with it, with a trash can, it'll sell. But like it doesn't necessarily make sense in terms of moving up. But lately, I don't know if there's been many things that made sense with McGregor. Like he's retired one moment, then the next moment he's not. Like I believe he's retired three times already. And okay. retired. Did, did you guys awesome. see the the Dana? Did you guys see the Dana Chael exchange that happened because of McGregor today? Uh, Dana put out something's like oh, we got some exciting things like if McGregor decides to come back we got some exciting things planned for him which was basically him doing the old hockey player thing yeah we got to get out there on the ice play yeah, we'll see games. what happens as uh, he always does but then Chael clapped back with a video it's like thanks for nothing because yeah. that could mean you might have him on Dancing with the Stars. That might mean he's fighting George Masvidal. Who knows? It's, it's uh, I, would, I would die for a Jorge Masvidal McGregor fight. But apparently he wants to box Pacquiao. And apparently they're trying to work that out. But who knows? He's probably going to get knocked out, out by Pacquiao. Right. I don't know. Pacquiao's getting a little too. But I'm not as good at much more knowledgeable about boxing. Though. That's for, sure, it's, for When you put a MMA fighter in a boxing ring, just the fact that they lose half of their arsenal and half the stuff that they rely on in fights normally. I think that's where that advantage goes into. McGregor, Conor McGregor possibly has sexual assault allegations up against him right now in Ireland too. There's a whole... He's doing a very good job of staying in the news. His whiskey commercial plays during the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. If you guys have been following along, watching the games while I live tweet. So I mean, like, there's a... the yeah, you can't... Dana White putting something out about Conor McGregor say that vague is good for Conor McGregor, because who the fuck knows what's going on with Conor yeah. McGregor right now? Yeah, turn down a turn down a bottle of his proper tell whiskey, and he might punch you in the face and start a fight right there for you. Yeah, yeah you never a, know what's next. That was the best story of the summer. Yeah, I think they, the only only reason why Dana answered that question today is because Conor went on his on a little Twitter rant, but like he usually does. But yeah. besides that, Conor isn't really news right now. No. Um, going back to the card, um, a fighter out of Denver, Colorado, Brandon Royval, who fights out of Factory X, who was coach like Mark Montoya and then a close family friend of mine Mara Correa who does his jiu-jitsu as well who will be both cornering him on Saturday night um, he's facing uh, Kai Kara France 
Teammate of Adesanya. Yeah, yeah. Flyweight in the flyweight division, and Roy Ball is a very big underdog, which is kind of ridiculous to me because he's coming off three fight win streak, um, and he's uh, he's he's has a lot of potential. Um, What what do you guys think about that one? I mean, plus one ninety is a good line. I think you. uh, I'm honestly not super familiar with him, but you knowing his jujitsu coach, I me knowing you, I understand that that's going to be very high level he's going to understand what he's doing there i I put a lot of stake stock into what you're saying and that's a pretty good line i'm trying to pull up FanDuel right now but just looking at it betting wise that wouldn't be bad fight i think to maybe bet on the underdog um he's a lot bigger he's got a big size advantage five nine compared to five four five nine for flyweight is is so that's from what i know about him so far it looks like he's an upper comer uh, put money down on him for the underdog, but I mean, hopefully the guy. I'm all, I'm always biased towards the local guys. I saw something. My dad sent me something about Shane Carwin today. Almost made me cry. So I, I hope he he picks up the win. Yeah. As for this fight, I've seen bits and pieces of both of them. Kai Carr France was on a tough flyweight season where the winner would fight Mighty Mouse for the belt, and he's kind of fought around the circuits of Japan and. You know, in the land down under in Australia, New Zealand, and those places, and kind of more of a composed counter striker likes to do his work on the feet. Whereas Brandon Royval, if you talk to him, he sounds like a guy who would rather stand and bang. But most of his, you look through his record, and most of his wins are triangle chokes and arm bars and things of that sort. So I believe he'd rather get the fight to the ground. But in terms of what I think will happen, I don't know if he, I don't know if Royval has an offensive wrestling to necessarily threaten Car France. Whereas Car France, I believe, has the more sophisticated striking game and might end up picking him apart over the span of 15 minutes. But if not, there's an opportunity that Royval could hop onto something if the fight ever gets there and make him that. But I think I'd have to go with Car France on this one. Looking at FanDuel right now, Brandon Royval by submission is plus 420. Uh, which I think is a good line if that's his main main source of offense. Um, I'm going to pick Roy Vall. That's a biased pick because he's training out of Colorado. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Roy Vall too. Um, like, like we, his, his last three wins are all by submission. Um, only only His most recent loss was November of 2018, so he's coming off a little bit of hot streak. Um, so it could that could play a role. I think he does need to stand up a little more, fighting off Factory X. I mean, he does train a lot of jiu-jitsu, and that might help him in this fight against Carl France. But if, if if he's able to stand and bang, especially with his height, and, maybe, and it looks like his um, reach as well, I, I don't see why he can't take him take this fight standing up and beat him. I mean, yeah, southpaw fighter, it's not as big of a thing, but the southpaw jinx that was introduced to Rocky is real. So that, that's another thing that Roy Ball has in his, in his wheelhouse. Yeah, he also has a cool nickname, Brandon Raw Dog Roy Ball. So Raw Dog. Right. That's a, that's, you can take that how you want. You can take that how you want. Yeah, I mean, that means he's grappling with no gi, guys. Come on. That's what that means. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing sexual and appropriate about that at all. Not, you, not in the UFC. Uh-huh. Never. But now, now co-main event, which I think could be fight of the night very, very easily. Jan Blachowicz versus Dominic Reyes. Like I said before, John Jones. Um, vacated light heavyweight tower. This whole division is blown wide open. I mean, <laughs> wide open. You don't have no idea what's going to go on. There's so many great contenders that are going to scratch a claw for this division. And it starts with this main event. And Dominic, Dominic Reyes coming off a loss to John Jones, which looked like he could probably might have won. 
Ian Blahovich coming off a few wins as well. Going to be a great, great, great co-main event. Yeah, did you hear about uh, how Blahovich is going about getting ready for this fight? No. He, a couple weeks ago, he was outside of his house in Poland and found a body that was hanging in a tree and reported it to the authorities. Apparently in Poland, the authorities told him that if he goes and gets that rope, that's a lucky rope. That gives him, brings him good luck. And he said... This is from Jan was talking to some and one of the MMA reporters and said that ever since he started going back and finding this rope before every fight, he has like a ninety percent success rate in, in his fights. Oh, so that's that's, that's another just, that's X factor just, thrown that's in. That's just there. creepy. It is almost spooktober, but that's a little creepy, too creepy for me. And it's in Poland, so like <laughs> I always think people. I honestly Polish think things. Polish Polish people are some of the toughest people on the planet, bar none. But that's that's a little bit rough. Yeah, Dominic yeah. Reyes is twelve and one record, only lost to John Jones too. You gotta take into account. He's a former football player too, right? Yeah, I believe he played at Stony Brook, if okay. if memory serves me right, because he played at an FCS school, yeah. tried out for an NFL team, and after that didn't quite go as far as he did, decided to try his hand at MMA. I, I believe he Sounds has like a somebody eerily similar to one of my favorite podcasters. But go on. <laughs> yeah, like Big Brown, but yeah, he. Decided to go into MMA. I believe he has an older and younger brother who fights in the lower weight division, whereas he just decided to try his hand at MMA. And so far, so good. He's looked he looked pretty good. In terms of who I'd want to win, my like heart feeling would go with Jan Blahovic, just in terms of like, he's an oddball like the story you provided before. But ultimately, I feel like Reyes has the advantage in terms of like, we haven't seen the level of vulnerability that we've seen at times with Blahovich earlier on in his career, you know, he'd gas out sometimes. We've seen him get knocked out a little bit. He's tightened his game up a lot. Like maybe back in 2015, 2016, I would not believe you if you said Blahovich would be fighting for a title now, but he's tightened his game up. I think overall Reyes has not shown the level of vulnerabilities that Jan has over the years. And I'd have to decide like my logical brain feeling would go with Reyes, but like in terms of who I'd root for, I'd I'd be going with Jan. I mean, it's it's interesting because Reyes is very young and fighting, and he's a minus two seventy favorite. I think that's a little bit over. No, I think that's a little that's a sucker's bet. They're trying to get you to see the the big number, and either take it or go against him. But the six foot four is going to play a role into this. It, it, Reyes is athletic. That's another thing that's going to play a role into this. When you get a big athlete that can understand fighting, I think that's what you have in John Jones. It's a guy who's a great athlete, and then he can understand martial arts. It's it's a difficult thing to stop. I want Reyes to win because I think that leads to better storylines in the light heavyweight division. That's the division of the UFC. That's the face, face of the UFC. Um, so I want that division to get back to where it was. So I think I won't re- I'm picking Reyes in this one. I think he beats Blachowicz, yeah. but I think it's close. I think yeah, it's close. going back to the Tito days and the um, Couture days, the light heavyweight division um, dominated along with the heavyweight division. Going back to a very long time, we haven't had a new, we haven't had a lightweight champion not named Don, John Jones or Daniel Cormier since 2010, or it might have been 2009, one of the two. It was one from Shogun Hua. Yeah. yeah that's how long it was. It's been a very, very long time. And I, I, this, I, I highly doubt we're going to see that again. This whole division, like we was saying, going back to Tiago Santos, Glover Teixeira, Anthony Smith, Alexander Rakic, this whole division, man, top to bottom. There, this is not going to be a um, division that where a title holder is going to hold the belt for four plus fights. It's yeah. not going to. It's 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 going to be tossed around. In, in my opinion, whoever wins this fight, I think is going to have a tough time um, defending it. That's for sure. And like what Jimmy mentioned before, with light heavyweight kind of being like that, 
marquee division in the UFC. Not that I'm necessarily against John Jones or Daniel Cormier. Like, I'm fans of both of those fighters. However, like, when those guys were around, it kind of seemed like the division was monopolized to the point where, like, the rest of the challengers, like, no one was really paying attention to him. Where it was like John yeah. Jones and DC and everyone else. Whereas I think now with like John Jones vacating the belt, it may you may see flashes of what light heavyweight used to be before. Whereas maybe Leota Machida has a belt for a little bit, then he hands it off to Shogun. Whereas before it was Forrest Griffin, then off to Rashad Evans, and off to Rampage. Whereas there's a little bit more turnaround. Whereas you don't know who's gonna be able to keep the belt and who's going to be able to keep it for a long time so you're kind of seeing bits and pieces of that feeling that was there a lot heavyweight before yeah that's better for the division as a whole I think people hate the continued dominance is cool for a while I mean continued dominance got old for John Jones but I think that's part of the reason why people stopped, started hating John Jones. It's really easy to hate John Jones with the other There's stuff that he's done. <laughs> but I think that's one of the main reasons why it started is because it's just boring to see that kind of domination. Um, and then with Mighty Mouse in the in the flyweight division too, people just got bored. So I yeah. think this is good. You're trying to find a new alpha wolf. Um, and I don't think that they're going to be able to find one because everybody's so stacked up. Who's 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 to say Alexander Gustafson doesn't come back and win a light heavyweight championship? Uh, sure. I don't know about that right now, but... It's, it's there. He could go down. Yeah, Gustafson is thinking about heavy, staying I, I heavy know he wants too. to go to heavyweight, but now he's seeing John yeah, he Jones come up, and he's probably like, God damn it. Yeah, like, I, can't, I can't shake you off. And with that all. last fight of heavyweight, it's like, I don't know. Getting my arm ripped off by Fabrizio was not that fun. Maybe I should <laughs> move back down to like heavyweight. These guys are big. <laughs> big motherfuckers, yeah. that's for sure. Um, so we yeah. don't have them this size in Sweden. <laughs> no kidding. It's going to be a great light heavyweight title fight, that's for sure. And now, main event, it's going to be one of the best fights of the year, um, hands down. Israel Adesanya, the 19-0-0, coming at six foot four, 185 pounds, versus Paulo Costa, who's 13-0, undefeated as well. 6-1-185 with a 72 reach. Um, one, one of the biggest fights we've been waiting for this for a year now it seems like going back to when Costa got hurt and Adesanya called him out after his Whitaker fight um, this has been a long time coming and it's going to be such a fun one yeah it's been almost a year in the making so that's definitely interesting showdown like on as surface value is kind of a Bull versus Matador matchup where Adesanya the guy who likes to keep things at range you know he likes to he's like a puzzle whereas he's fainting he's throwing shots at all different levels he's and as a fight goes on he just figures you out like he faints he gets your reads and as a fight goes on he just he's like a snowball whereas like round one you might have a little bit of success but like as Ralph it goes from like round two to three to four to five he's just figuring you out and just slowly picking you apart whereas Costa is a bit of a bull whereas he likes to get people to the back I mean get people's backs against the fence and overwhelm you with his pressure and his physical strength and what's interesting in this matchup is you looked at Adesanya's matchup against Gaslam he had Adesanya hurt at moments mm-hmm. whereas I think with Paulo Costa he's not going to be nearly as forgiving as Gaslam once he gets people hurt or once he sees a little bit of vulnerability in his opponents or once he has an opponent up against the fence he goes berserk he lands flurries he abuses the body with body punches and he's he's a beast he, he Costa has a shark that smells blood in the water. Once, once, once he realizes there's a small little weakness, he tries. He jumps on that advantage right away. It's going to be interesting to see because I think obviously um, Costa's size, he could easily be a light heavyweight. He, he, he cuts to 185. Very, I mean, 
It seems like it's easily to him, but it's very tough for him because he, he he's going to be weighing about 215, 220 come, come to actual once he gets fight. In, once he gets into the cage. Once he gets in the cage. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy to think about. Um, but to, to me, Adesanya, obviously, precision, he's going to be a lot more methodical with it, a lot a lot like we saw with Usman against Masvidal. Masvidal was like coming out there, swinging for the fences, and Usman kind of played toward, toward, with his, toward with his food a little bit and made sure that when he controlled the pace. If Adesanya is able to do that, it won't be, it won't be a fan favorite fight, but if it, 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 it might get the job done for him. Um, Costa's going to come out swinging and try to go for the home run. Um, our side is gonna gonna be precision with his strikes and keep keep it keep his jabs and keep um, Costa in reach because although um, Costa has a lot more power, that eight inch reach by Adesanya will make a huge difference. Yeah, and a guy like Adesanya uses that reach very well. But the question that I'm looking to see, like the question which I'm looking to see, like in terms of getting answered, is what does Adesanya do when? Costa tries to back him up against the fence because it's clear what Costa wants to do. He wants to pressure you. He wants to get you behind those black lines and up against the cage. But Adesanya having good evasive footwork, but it's going to be a 25-minute fight. So the question being, you know, is Adesanya going to be able to pivot and angle and make sure that there aren't moments where Adesanya can get him, cor- I mean, Costa can get him cornered up against the fence? Is he going to be able to? Well, I mean, you know, he, avoid- he did that against Whitaker, and Whitaker mm-hmm. was coming in as. If anybody thought there was going to be a knockout in his fight against Whitaker, it was going to be Whitaker knocking out Adesanya. Nobody thought Adesanya was going to be the one to KO the other person. I think that he's shown, and I mean, like, Costa is much bigger, he's much fit, more physical presence at 185, but they're similar sizes. And I think that's Adesanya. I've bet against him so long. It's the same thing that I did with the Nuggets. I've bet against him so long. Why can't I just jump on the train and be happy? I don't know why I always have to be on <laughs> on the side of somebody who's got to struggle to to win. But I I can't see. I mean, I didn't see Costa as a threat. I don't see Costa as a threat. I think Adesanya walks away with the middle. Mm-hmm. Possibly a finish. I think. I I, I think I think if, if it's going to be a finish, I think I'm going to give it to Costa in round one or two. If this fight goes into the later rounds, the championship rounds, it's going to favor Adesanya. If Adesanya gets that third, fourth round, then we'll see a knockout possibly there. But if it goes the distance, there's it's going to be champion, champion's advantage, I think, in my opinion. And I don't see Costa taking three out of five rounds from, from Adesanya. Another thing I'm looking to see here is Paulo Costa's gas tank and where it's at. Like You look at the... Yo, Romero fight. It was a fight where he slowed down in round three. At the same time, I don't know if that means his gas tank is bad because that fight was just, it was berserk, right? They went nuts for the duration of 15 minutes. So I don't necessarily know if that's a, if that's him having a bad gas tank, but you look at Kosa, he's very muscular. He's very jacked. So he isn't necessarily going to have the world's best gas tank being that muscular. And the lactic gases are going to build up over the span of a 25-minute fight. And because of that, I believe Adesanya is going to be able to pick things up as the fight goes on. Kosa may have early success because Adesanya relies on getting reads in the first round and get going. And Kosa is going to be in his face being the aggression the aggressor, getting him back up against the fence. But I think as the fight goes on, Adesanya is going to be able to get his reads. He's going to, you know, he faints people into things, and based off of the reaction, he throws something. And I think he's just going to be able to pick Kosa apart as the fight goes on. I believe, 
it'll be a late round four stoppage for Adesanya. So my Nigerian bias coming through. <laughs> of course, I think it's a 50-50 fight, but I'm going to pull for Adesanya. Yeah, right right now Adesanya is minus 180 and Costa is plus 160. So it's, it's, it, it is in the favor of Adesanya there. But it, it is a pick em basically because both guys are undefeated coming off su- such such incredible careers thus far. So This is the first time in modern, I think, uh, I saw a tweet from Ariel Hawani. It's the first time in modern MMA since, like, I think it's four or five years that two undefeated prospects are fighting for an undisputed title because oh, there's been so many interim belts at all yeah. the different weight classes. But that's it's an interesting. It's so, not something that I would have thought, but it's pretty cool that that's happening this weekend. Um, we'll come back to the main card. We'll, we're gonna have Reb join us for a little bit of special beats of the week that will come out with our normal beats of the week that you guys heard on Thursday as well. So we'll have the full main predictions later on. But in um, other news uh, around the MMA world, obviously the last last couple or last last card, uh, Tyron Woodley against Colby uh, Covington, and then the co-main event with Nico Price and Cowboy Cerrone. Um, I'll give your thought, get your thoughts on that, Reb. It was, it, it's it's tough. The Cerrone fight went to a went to a draw, um, but it looked like Colby just dominated Woodley um, a week ago. It was a draw based on the penalty points. Yeah, based on penalty points. Yeah. Yeah, as for that fight, it was an interesting one. Whereas you know, Donald Cerrone is a guy who starts off slow, and we saw that where Nico Price was coming into the fight. I don't know if he was thinking reiterate what Conor McGregor did, but you could tell he was going for a finish in that first minute. And as a fight goes on, Cerrone does a good job of. If he can endure and weather that early storm that people like RDA, people like Nico Price and Robbie Lawler and, you know, RDA, like everyone, everyone who has had success going after Sony early, if he's able to weather the storm, he's able to fight his way back into the matchup. And that's what we saw here. And ultimately, it was that eye poke which made it into a draw. But it was one of those things where Nico Price showed himself to be an improving fighter. He's improving some of the technical parts of his game. And if it wasn't for the eye poke, he would have won the fight. And Cerrone, he showed that he still has something left in the tank. But you could tell it's kind of the tail end of his career a little bit. He lacked a little bit of that firepower he used to have. Yeah, he's not going to get another title shot. And it's unfortunate. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's also the way that Cowboy is. He didn't handle himself in a way to get himself a title shot or get himself a title run. He was going for the big money and going for being the guy who's going to fight anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Unfortunately, that's put him in a couple spots where he was going to contend for a title, and then you can't just you just can't fight four times a year yeah. and be successful for as long as he's fought because he's he's been in, on in the UFC forever. I believe that was his third fight this year. Yeah, yeah. And he's it's going. Burning the candle at both ends. I think it's getting time for the candle. It's going to come out at some point. Give him a send-off fight. But honestly, he Dana needs to have the same conversation with Cowboy that he had with Chuck Liddell. Yeah, Cow, Cowboy, it, it's only his second fight of the year because his, his, his last fight was the McGregor fight back in January. But he, he did have, I, I believe it was, five fights in 2019. And that's where he was on his little bit of a run there um, where he was getting back in the title picture and then he he wasn't paid. It was unfortunate he wasn't patient enough because he had he had to face Tony Ferguson where he just got obliterated. He he was on a run. He was undefeated at one point after his new kid was born. He was he looked like he had a good shot at coming back, but Tony Ferguson just is an animal and that just completely derailed it. It's unfortunate that he was never able to um, get into the uh, title picture completely and never hoist the UFC UFC gold, but. 
I don't know. I don't want to say his career's over because he's still one of my favorite fighters, obviously, because he's a Colorado Colorado kid, and um, he, he, he fights out of Denver and Albuquerque, and he he, loved, he always comes back to train here. And he's got friends with Scott Parker and Forrester down uh, for the Avalanche, too. It's, it, it's, it's a great story that you love to hear, especially being from Colorado, but does look like he, he is on the back end of his career. Uh, it's unfortunate. But um, but going back to that card, um, Covington, uh, love him, hate him. He did dominate Tyron Woodley. Um, Woodley. And then he got a phone call with the POTUS. Yeah. W- w- Woodley is on the back end of his career. Um, he just does not have it anymore. He, I don't know if that fight was more that Covington did or if it was Woodley. Just didn't have it, but in my opinion, I don't think Woodley. I don't think Woodley's there in the head anymore at all. Woodley did crack a rib, so I'm gonna give him a little bit of slack on this fight. I was we, Rev and I were talking on the car right over, but I'll, I'll let Rev talk. I just wanted to throw that out there that he did crack a rib in that fight. Yeah, as for Tyron Woodley and where he's at, you kind of just look at the style that he implemented, and you can just tell once his athleticism went down as a fighter who relies a lot on his athleticism and intimidation factors. Once that started to go away, like. It's gonna be a bad. It's gonna be an ugly downfall. You've seen the last three fights. He's lost fifth. He's lost fifteen consecutive rounds. Yeah, and hasn't won a round since two thousand eighteen. It's it's crazy. Well, I mean, based upon that fight, will they just look tentative? It wasn't the same fire that we saw him win the belt with. That's a, not the same guy that came out swinging for the fences and was still gonna dominate you on the ground. But he was gonna still try to knock you out. He was just playing catch up. He was letting Colby come to him and let Colby um, engage and get to the ground and then. At that point, there's a reason why Covington was an All-American and wasn't wasn't is an incredible wrestler. You can't, it, he, he's going to get you where he wants you. He's a cardio it, king. Man. It's it's a bad place to be when you're a wrestler and you rely on your wrestling. And the way to beat you now is to wrestle you. Yeah, and that's. I mean, he was such a dominant force, and everybody talked about it. He's a Division One pedigree at Missouri, which is legit. Uh, he's a good wrestler, but now the way to beat him is to pressure him and then wrestle him to the ground, and then he will break at some point. Which that's. I feel like that's. He's another person. Maybe tell him, let's look into something else. Because all you're going to do is get yourself hurt. All you're going to do is take years off your life. All you're going to do is not be there for an extra year with your kids at this point. Or he's still young. Maybe he's able to still get, still turn the bus around. Who knows? But uh, I, w- I would love to see him try to get back into it because I still think he, he – I loved watching him when he was in the beginning of his title reign. Um, obviously, at the end, it wasn't as fun because Gilbert Burns dominated him, and then you gotta go back to Usman just obliterating the hell out of him. I mean, you a just, fan of his rap album? <laughs> oh my god, we're not talking about that crap. Oh my god, oh my god. all the memes on about his rap album were hilarious. Falling in and out of love. He's falling in and out of the cage more than Falling in and out of consciousness. <laughs> Uh, but that one, one more card we had to talk about because I know you're, Rev, you've got to be raving about this guy, Hamzat. Oh my gosh, what an animal! Dude knocked him out in literally under twenty seconds, was it? Yeah, seventeen seconds. Seventeen seconds. The dude Marischal did not even want to be there. It looks like Hamzat just came out like a like a dog rave or a lion to eat his prey. Man, it was just incredible. Do you think um, it's it's rumored that he looks like he's going to be getting a main event on a fight night coming up soon? Um, where do you see him in the t- in the um, title consideration right now? Um, well, if you look at a guy that Dana White, I mean, you look at people Dana White gets behind. Typically, Dana White will fast track them to the title. So right now, I believe I'd like to see three more fights out of Chimaev before he gets a title shot. Like throw him in there a top fifteen competition right now. The way I don't know yet. I believe he should 
start at welterweight and move on his way up. But at the same time, he doesn't necessarily look like he's at a physical disadvantage at middleweight either. So there's just right now so many things you could do with him. He's obviously got power at 185. And if he's yeah. his, his camp says he's a natural 70-pounder, if he's a natural 70-pounder and he can knock people out at one, and by the way, he looks exactly like Khabib Nurmagomedov. It's looks like his long-lost brother. With an indented lip. And he's, he, claims, he claims Sweden. It's it's weird. It's like they got separated at birth. But he's obviously got power at 185 pounds. So you can continue with what you're saying. Right? Uh, th- I mean... This is also a thing. Do you throw a Woodley at him? Could that be a possibility? Well, Woodley's going to be out for a while with the rib. Okay, so maybe, so maybe not. But there's a lot of intriguing and now intrigue in that welterweight division that you could throw Hamzad at, and he could easily work his way into that title weight title position. In terms of potential matches, I'd like to see with Shemaev. Michael Kies is out there. He yeah. had the best win of his career against RD. I believe he's ranked number eight. I don't have the rankings on. On top, Neil Magny is out there too yeah. on a three-fight winning streak. Troy out of Colorado. I so think that uh, the Kiesa makes more sense now because it'd be the last kind of lob fight that they get. The UFC can give them get, get him a little bit more exposure. Let everybody know. I know this guy's only fought so many times for us, but trust me, he's on another level. He's ready to do this. And then you can give him guys like Magny, who are I think Magny's more on the title. Can where is he more, right now? I think Neil they're Magny. close to each other. I'm Magny sure. was 12, um, or sorry, he was 10 at, at the time. Um, uh, before. Me, right me, right me now, that welterweight division, we have uh, Chiesa at 10, Thompson at 9, Woody at 8, Roy, or this this is just based upon both both, um, both Bellator and UFC, Roy McDonald at 7, Mosfield at 6, um, and then uh, Usman at one, Kevin at two, Lima at three, Leon Edwards at four. Um, one person that we don't we don't talk about enough, but if you're trying to skyrocket Hamza into the title picture, one person you could throw him at is Leon Edwards. Um, Ed- Edwards doesn't have a fight right now, which is unfortunate because jeez, that that man is the most duck man in the division. I swear. He, like, he, there's there's he, he's been rumored to face Masvidal. He's been rumored to face Covington. That's the fight I want to see. I want to see Leon Edwards Covington because right now Masvidal's kind of on different ventures, talking to. Is I want to fight Nate Diaz here. Is that the guy who Masvidal punched, like, pieced up backstage? Yeah, back, he sucker punched him backstage. Did you give him a two-piece in a soda? Okay. Uh, now I'm on the same page with you guys. Yeah, yeah Co- it looks like Covington will, will probably – I mean, I would love to see Covington, Leon Edwards, but it, for right now Masvidal is locked, locked in with Nate Diaz for the BMF title again. But I don't, Covington obviously wants another title shot, but I still think he needs to show a little bit more before he gets another one. That's for sure, though. Yeah, I think Burns if, he, if he's able to beat Leon Edwards, I, I think he does deserve a shot then, maybe. Yeah, I believe Burns is up next to fight Kamaru Usman. Yeah, so Burns. Dana White actually this time held up to his promise and gave Burns a title shot after losing it to COVID. So with everything else taken up, like the ideal situation would be Leon Edwards fighting Kobe Covington, the winner of that fight for the title but you never know they've definitely given Leon Edwards a short end of the stick on multiple occasions yeah they, they, they've given Masvidal I love Masvidal but they've given him a lot of bones it's time to give Edwards a little a few, a few of those bones as well um, but another another thing we need to talk about um, UFC 254 coming in a month from today I believe um, Habib versus um, Gaethje. Ga- Justin Gaethje another Colorado fighter Justin right, Gaethje works, trans man. out of here um, before we talk about that card uh, the UFC made a huge signing, a huge signing in my opinion, and bringing it in over Mike Mike Chandler from Bellator, and he looks like he he he's going to be in the mix possibly up, for a title shot very soon. He's well. coming in rank seven, mm-hmm. so 
Uh, my my Chandler, he he was a, he was a Bellator champion. He he uh, he's twenty one and five. His last win was a KO of uh, Benson Harrison on August seventh. Um, he's still looking for looking for a lot of fights. That's a person you could throw Poirier at, which I would love to see that fight. Um, I mean, I obviously would love to see Poirier Ferguson again, but Michael Chandler's got to be right in the mix. Maybe throw Dan Hooker at him. Who knows? I mean, where where do you see Mike Chandler fitting into that? Um, Lightweight division. Um, I think there are tons of questions. Whereas where Chandler is at, because he spent a big chunk of his career at Bellator. So the question for me is: is he is he going to be around the top ten region? Because light lightweight is a shark tank. Like, is he going to be around the top ten fighting guys like Dan Hooker and Paul Felder? And how does he hold up against those people? Do you throw him in with the top five? Which I believe the UFC is going to do right away. But it's just interesting to see how it holds up because you consider Chandler's style. He likes. He throws heavy letter in the pocket. He has ridiculous knockout power in that right hand. And he could also control things with his wrestling. He was actually a teammate with Tyron Woodley at the University of Missouri. Kind of came in as a walk-on who wasn't expected to do much. Definitely made them maximize his potential there. I believe he was a multiple-time All-American. So he's a good wrestler to go alongside with his, you know, with his punching power. But the thing is, sometimes he makes them bad fight IQ mistakes in the cage, which has got him knocked out against guys like Pitbull and Will Brooks, but he is an athletic specimen still, so if he could tighten up some of those mistakes, he's still a very dangerous lightweight. Yeah, I don't think you got to, you'll throw him in with Ferguson right away or Poirier. Um, that'd, be fun, that'd be fun to watch, but still, I don't I mean, know. Poirier turned down that fight. That was only money-wise. He does want to fight Ferguson, but that's only money-wise because they're, yeah. not, they're not paying. Well, Poirier, Poirier turned down Chan, the Chandler fight, too. It's just cause, that's just, that was just only because he UFC. wanted he respected Ferguson's decision to fight. I, honestly, I think the UFC should make the fight against Tony Ferguson. He's already... Michael Chandler's already listed as the backup for the um, title yeah. fight anyways. So, let, look, why not just have him fight Tony Ferguson who's coming off a loss, so it's a guy that you're bringing into the UFC... But he's fighting a guy who just lost, who's kind of in that same where you think this guy's going to be in the division. See what happens there. If he loses, okay, you go back behind Dan Hooker, and you know you'll get back, back placed there in the in the top ten. But you're not going to be in the top five competing for a belt until you get a couple more wins. I think that's anybody who's going to fight because I don't Poirier with the money, and I get it. Your fighter, if you're going to make more money at some point, you got to fight now when you can. And he's got he had so much momentum. It doesn't make any sense to me why he's he's holding out. But if he's not going to take the fight, and if um, I can't remember who the other guy Ferguson, yeah, if if Poirier is not going to take the fight against Ferguson, or Poirier is not going to take the fight against Chandler, Chandler versus Ferguson, make it happen. Poirier can sit on the sidelines and complain for more money, anyways. Uh, I, I still give love to Poirier, though, because he's done a lot for the UFC. Yeah, he, he deserves that. That's, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm speaking purely from the, the side of the UFC. Yeah, you're a big draw, but you're not the biggest draw. Your, your pay-per-view against Khabib didn't do the biggest numbers that we have. We can continue to – like, you've done great things, and you're a great fighter. You've had some amazing wins in, in our organization, but we can continue on without you, and it's not going to be that big of a detriment. If he goes to Bellator, I mean, people thought that Roy McDonald going to Bellator in his prime was going to take the UFC in the welterweight division. Welterweight, welterweight division is one of the most dominant divisions in the UFC right now. That's that's the sad thing. It's the same thing in the NFL and the NBA. Players come and go. Teams are going to continue to roll on. It's it's unfortunate that you get attached to these guys. Look at Derrick Rose. I mean, Derrick Rose was going to be the next 
Michael Jordan and win championships for Chicago. Michael Jordan. That's, 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 that was the hype. He was an MVP. He, 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 was the, he was the next face of the great Bulls franchise. He yeah. wasn't the next Michael Jordan. He was the next face of one of the greatest franchises of all time. So but what I'm saying is the organization doesn't need you. You need the organization. Yeah. Unless you're a Conor McGregor. Unless you're a Ronda Rousey in her prime. Unless you're a Brock Lesnar on all of, all of the Mexican supplements. Uh, those are the people who can say, I'm not going to do this, and the UFC will listen. Dustin Poirier can stamp his, stamp his feet all he wants. And I think that I agree with you guys. It's totally deserved and to- totally warranted to ask for the kind of money that a number four person in the world should be making. But it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And as for you know, as going back to that uh, potential fight between Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson, that I'll be an excellent fight to answer certain questions like where Chandler is at. We know Ferguson is a guy who starts off slow but will build on into the fight. Perhaps that gives Chandler trouble. At the same time, Chandler is you know a guy for top game. Like he wrestle, like he isn't just a guy who takes people down. He also you know can get people down, hold him there, you know to go alongside with his with his dangerous striking. So it's definitely. Uh, it's not necessarily a matchup that I'd favor Chandler in, but it's one that'll answer a lot of questions. Yeah, if he's if he's able to win that fight, if Chandler if they do match that up, I do believe Chandler probably would be get the winner of Gaethje and Habib. Um, now we gotta t- turn pages onto that um, Habib, the the man child, the, the man who wrestles bears, coming off the unfortunate passing of his father, uh, new new new. Uh, um, tra- training or management team behind him. Um, do, you, do you see him again dominating Gaethje like he has the last few fights, or do you see Gaethje possibly pulling up a big upset? Well, I'll I'll just go back to the passing of his father Ab- Abubakar. Or wait, that was Abdul his, Manab, yeah. no Abdulmanab. Yeah. Abubakar is his cousin who also fights the UFC. But Abdulmanab, like the passing of his father. Um, when you consider the role in which his father had, and just like bringing over just those. Dagestani MMA fighters, not just Khabib, but he coaches a lot of people for that region. You see in the UFC and PFL now, like, and just a father figure that he played for those people, keeping them away from the streets of, you know, radical Islam that went on there and just keeping them on the right path and getting them into MMA. That might play a role because Khabib, the level of respect that he has for his father, the role that his father plays into everything that he does and all the decisions that he makes, it'll definitely be interesting to see where Khabib's psyche is at heading into this fight, this first one without his father. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I do think we do this with every single wrestler that Khabib fights, saying that he has good enough wrestling uh, to be able to handle Khabib's pressure. I honestly think that Gaethje is dangerous enough on the feet and has a good enough wrestling background that that's not just something that we're saying at this point. I do think that there's going to be times in the fight where Khabib's going to go for a takedown and not going to be able to get it, and Gaethje's going to be able to make him pay because that's what he's been learning underneath Whitman. That's what he's been showing to be good at. He's shown to be kind of that Chuck Liddell sprawl and brawl. He can wrestle if he wants to, but he's going to put some he's going to put some leather on you. He's going to put basically every single body part he can hit you with legally on you, and you're going to feel the fight the next day. That's the way that he's going to fight. I think that's the way that this fight is going to be on both sides. Neither guy is going to be the same after this one. Um, and I'm I'm pulling for Gaethje because I got a brother that goes to UNC, but also it's you know I pull for. The underdog a little bit, and I think that that's an underdog. Then maybe we might see the upsetting of one of the greatest fighters of all time. 
it's it, it's a very intriguing because all the storylines coming in. Obviously, um, like we said, with with his father passing away and Gaethje coming off a big win off of um, over Ferguson and a di- bunch of different things going on. It's 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 very very intriguing. Who knows? Because Gaethje is a lot better wrestler than. Um, what Habib has fought in the past? Yeah, anybody that he's fought. anybody that he's fought in the past. Um, do you see? I mean, Habib could easily maybe try to stay in a jab. Maybe his camp so far has been trying to keep the game up because he knows Gaethje how good he's he's on the ground. Um, who knows what we'll see out of that? Because maybe he um, decides I, I want to show that I have power. I want to show that I'm not just one dimensional too. So who knows what Habib's going to look like? Yeah, and listening to Justin Gaethje and Trevor Whitman talking in interviews and podcasts, things like that. I think they have a very good strategy set up on how to handle it could be. When you say the Khabib style, it relies on pressure. And when you think about most of the takedowns that he gets is when his opponent's up against a fence. He wants to grind he wants to grind against you, need chains together. It usually starts with a single leg, and if that doesn't work, he'll get you up against a fence and work his chain wrestling game from there. And listening to Gaethje, he has Gaethje and Whitman, and they kind of have a good strategy in terms of just making sure that they don't get caught up there, make sure that their footwork is good, or as Justin Gaethje calls it, feet work. Whereas if if he makes sure that he isn't up against a fence, perhaps you know it becomes an open space matchup where perhaps we see uh, Open space, Gaethje, Gaethje's got yeah. all kinds of advantages. Yeah. That, you're right. Khabib, there's multiple styles of wrestling, and the one that Khabib does is uh, Sambo. Well, I think combat sambos is background. Yeah. But yeah. So that's not freestyle wrestlers are known to be able to do. They're the guys that get the takedowns in, in the Olympics. That's the Jordan Burroughs, the guys that will run through you, get you on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and sambo is is not that way. If it's wrestling in space, sambo and Greco Roman are the two that you do not want to have your background in. You'd much rather have a guy who wrestled college folk style or and freestyle like Gaethje, who's going to be able to maneuver in that space. Space and I think boxing wise. You know, these guys, Khabib's hands have not gotten, they've gotten better, but they're not good, especially UFC level good. Against a guy like Gaethje, who's been learning under Trevor Whitman, give me that 10 times out of 10. If it's on the feet, Gaethje wins in a landslide. I mean, like, with back to Khabib's hands, it's one of those things where his boxing and his striking is a lot more effective because his opponent is, his opponent is usually going to be on their toes wondering when Khabib's going to shoot for a takedown. So when you see Khabib dip his head down and throw an overhand, you don't know if that dip's going to be a takedown attempt or if it's going to be an overhand. That's what he knocked out Conor McGregor with. So he does a good job of using his striking in order to keep people a little, keep people guessing what he's going to do next. So his striking works because of his wrestling. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with you, Jimmy. I think Gaethje wins the fight if he's on, he's standing up. I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm still gonna um, not underplay Khabib's wrestling style. The man is is still a man, he still wrestles bears. He's still a man possessed on the ground. Um, there's a reason why he, he hasn't been touched um, in in almost every single one of his fights. No one has come close to even um, standing up and jabbing with him. Um, I still think Khabib will come out on top of this division. I think um, there's a lot of great fights though for Gaethje still in, still in the division too. Like we said, with Mike Chandler and Ferguson and and Dan Hooker and whatever it may be. If McGregor come back, who knows? Um, there's so many great matches matchups in that division. Um, it, it's it's constantly going to put out great fights, and I know we're all gonna all three of us are going to enjoy watching that division we, play out. We need another Colorado-based UFC champion. It, yeah. it needs to happen, and Gaethje's our best shot. 
I love Neil Magny, and I, and I, I know you do too, Nico, but I think he's way further off uh, be, from becoming a champion than Gaethje is. Yeah, yeah. you look at the Colorado landscape of people who train there. Gaethje's the closest guy there. You see, I mean, there's Curtis Blades, who's fighting Derek Lewis coming up pretty soon. Yep, yep. Might be a fight or two away from the title. And Corey Sanhagen was right there, but got choked out by Aljamain Sterling recently. But I believe he's fighting Marlon Marais in two weeks. So. Yep, but in terms of best option of, like, the best option of a Colorado base fighter fighting out of Colorado to win a title was Justin Gaethje and he's a very live dog here whereas you know he's he's one of those guys where he he just he's willing to die in that cage a lot of people who say they're willing to die in the cage but Justin Gaethje when he says it I believe it wholeheartedly and he's only gotten more technically proficient with his striking how insane are you when you are the most violent man in a professional fighting league you are the most violent person who gets in their underwear, gets <laughs> locked in a cage with another man in his underwear, and goes and tries and beats the, beat the other person, possibly for 25 minutes. And you're the most violent person in a, in a sport filled with other people just like you? That's insane. The, mm-hmm. What's his nickname? Carnage? Justin, the Highlight. The, oh, Justin the Highlight Gagey. He's got he's a Carnage. is another nickname. Just... It's, it's going to be a great car. A great car. We're going to talk about that a lot more on next month too. It, it's it's going to be so much fun to watch. But now, um, but before, was there any other UFC things you wanted to hit on? Uh, we we hit on a bunch of the main ones coming up. We'll, we'll, we can jump into our uh, beats of the week, which which I mentioned before. We're going to go down the list of every single main event card, and all three of us are going to take our pick. Um, we're going to see who wins out, uh, based on upon that. Um, you go with that. Yeah, I'm gonna be boring here. I kind of already picked the favorites. <laughs> so all right, so, all right. So it's the first first card of the main event. We have um, we have Hakeem Duwada, who is 11 one and one is plus one fifteen. Um, so he's the underdog versus Zubaira Tukolgov, who's nineteen four one four and one, who is a minus one thirty five favorite. Um, what I've seen out of these two Turku guys, a bit of a you know physical freak. He could he's, he could steamroll you early in fights and. Dewoldo in his UFC debut got choked out in 30 seconds after getting rocked with a flurry. He was a guy who had heavy amounts of hype coming in. The first fight was a bit of a stumble, but since then he's won, I believe, his next four fights in the UFC. He's a very technical Thai kind of kickboxing style fighter who attacks all areas of the body. And I think if Turkugov can't get him out early, Dewoldo should be able to stall on him as the fight goes on. So I'm picking Dewoldo as an underdog. So I guess... I'm not picking nothing but favorites here because I actually thought the Wolves would, would be a favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tuco is the underdog. Jamie, what do you think there? I'm going to pick the Wolves based mainly on physical size. Uh, 145 pound, being having a seven, 73 and a half inch reach is insane. Looks like a physical freak. Never seen him fight, but uh, I'm going to put money. Uh, if, if I was putting money on it, a plus 115 on an underdog who has a little bit of that size advantage, uh, I, I think that's a good good pick. Yeah, just 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 for reference as well, both these guys came in at 150 pounds, so in a 145 welterweight division, both these guys did come in overweight, um, so that's taken into account a little bit, but not as much because obviously they're they're undisciplined. Both. They like their tiramisu. It's okay. We all so, we all um, enjoy eating. For me, I think I'll go the same way. Do all do 11 one and one. He, I, it, it's I think this is more of a pick 'em too. This is this is a toss up. It can go either way in my opinion. Um, both guys same height. Reach goes 
knows Tutu Wodu, so I'm with it. I, I, both guys are orthodox as well, so I think I'm going to give him the slight edge as well. Um, so for next fight, we have um, Ketslin Vieira, who is 10-1-0, and, um, and is, is fights fights out of Brazil. She is a minus-180 uh, favorite versus Sihara Eubanks, who is 7-4-0, um, fighting out of the United States, who is a plus-160 underdog. Uh, Jimmy, we'll start with you. Uh, Vieira, I have been burned too many times by picking against Brazilian women that I've never heard of before. <laughs> and the last time that happened, the one that I picked against, even though she was completely cockeyed and had, she could see everywhere other oh, than her, Roba? Yeah, yeah, anywhere oh, other than her opponent, she still got that arm bar and was quick. So I'm going to go with Vieira. Uh, I hope Eubanks wins. I don't really, I'm not a fan of Brazilian fighters for whatever reason, but I think Vieira's going to win that one. Oh, a little chill sunning over here, huh? <laughs> They're just dirty and uneducated. Whatever <laughs> you got that one. Um, this is an interesting one where Kellen Vieira coming up was the prospect to look out for, but after all, he, she just wasn't fighting very often because she was getting injured, but she racked up an interesting like chain of wins from submitting Sarah McMahon in the second round. She beat Kazangano by decision. Then she didn't fight for another year. And I believe at the end of 2019, got knocked out by Irene Aldana, who's fighting Holly Holm next week. But when you look at Sajara Eubanks, she's, she's got physical tools. She... She has boxing ability, like to put in combinations. But sometimes, once she gets hit back, kind of the game will slow down. When she has a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt too, so it's black belt in Jiu-Jitsu versus black belt in Jiu-Jitsu in this matchup. But sometimes, like the Achilles heel of Eubanks has been her cardio, where she has seemed to gas from time to time if her opponent can really put it on her. So I think there's going to be a grappling-based matchup and. I actually think Vieira's going to be able to pull it off by decision. It'll be a close matchup, but I think ultimately Vieira's going to be able to stay on strong as the fight goes on, win round three, and get a close decision. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of gr- there's a lot of great intrigue with this fight. It's two two uh, women's, women's bantamweight fighters who a lot of people don't know a whole lot about. Um, Vieira has the four-inch height advantage, but the reach is about the same. I think I'm, I'm going to go with Eubanks here, uh, just because I like to like picking the underdog. Because this is, I mean, this is another pick em. Who knows what's going to happen here? If, like I said, go to the ground. Vieira's jiu-jitsu and Brazilian background will probably come into play, but Eubanks is if she's able to stay on, step on her feet, she might be able to come out on top. So I think because I want to see knockouts more, I'm going to pick Eubanks just because of that. <laughs> um, so for next fight, we have. Um, Brandon Royval, Colorado Kid, coming in at 11 wins, 4 losses, plus 190 underdog versus Kai Kara France, who's 21 8, minus 230. We hit on a little bit um, earlier at the beginning of the episode. Uh, Jimmy or whoever wants to go first, uh, who you got got picking? If if you're a betting man, who are you picking this one? I'm I'm putting money on Raw Dog. You don't, dog normally, dog. You, you don't normally gamble on Raw Dog, but I'm putting some money on Raw Dog. <laughs> yeah, um, Colorado guy. That's the only reason. Um, that's okay. probably wrong, but... Okay. I'm going to be a contrarian here, pick Cara France. Ultimately, Warval is a good submission game, but that's typically, it's like an Anthony Pettis thing where he gets taken down from there. He'll work a triangle or like an arm bar from off of his back. And I don't know if he'll have, I, don't, I just don't think he has the offensive wrestling to be able to threaten Cara France too much. And uh, Cara France has shown the ability, like alongside many of those city kickboxing guys with Adesanya, Volkanovski, Dan Hooker. They're very sophisticated strikers, and I think Cara France is going to be able to outstrike them and win the decision. See, this, that's why I'm going to I'm going to give a edge, slight edge to Roy Vall just because um, his height five five foot nine and the 
flyweight division, like we hit on earlier, he does have a big height advantage, and I think that his striking has heavily improved. Um, right now, he has a takedown accuracy, 100%, and his three fights in the UFC. Car France, only 25%. Uh, significant strike accuracy, 48% to Roy Ball, compared to Car France, who's only 38%. So you have a little bit, a slight edge to Roy Ball in a few areas. I think that's it's kind of ridiculous. Roy Ball is a plus 190 underdog. Um, that's definitely a fight. That's definitely a bet that I'm going to be taking this weekend. Um, I'm going to go with Roy Ball as well as Jimmy here, just because he's a Colorado boy and um, knowing uh, knowing who's in his corner and, and having met Mario and having met Mark Montoya and much of these different guys, uh, it's hard to go against the Colorado kids for that matter. Um, so now, going into the two title fights, we have the light, light heavyweight division. We have Dominic Reyes, who is 12-1, minus 230, versus Jan Blachowicz, who is 26-8 and, and is plus 230 underdog. Uh, Rev, who are you going with? Um... I want to pick Blahovich, but ultimately I think Reyes is going to win it. And the thing that the thing that's reoccurred in my head is a way Jan Blahovich got knocked out by Tiago Santos. He was coming forward with a he was coming forward while Flurry's throwing hooks and just trying to chase Santos down. And Santos was able to knock Blahovich out off of his back foot while moving backwards, hit him with a. I believe it was a check left hook, if I remember right. But mm-hmm. regardless, he knocked Blahovich back. He knocked him out moving backwards. And if there's something that Dominic Reyes, the best part of his game, I'd have to say is his counter punching off his back foot. We saw in the Ovid say Proof Fire, he almost won by knockout. It was it was a punch off his back foot. It was back up against the fence. We've seen him be able to give John Jones trouble moving backwards. And Blahovich, he's a technical striker, builds off the jab and throws good combination work. But ultimately, at times, he gets a little wild and he comes forward throwing heavy letter. And Don Reyes does a good job catching people off the back foot. So I think ultimately that's going to happen. And Reyes is going to be able to get a knockout. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if I was going to go for a live dog, I think Blahovich is probably the biggest, the where you can get the biggest return on your investment. Plus 230, it's... It's a decent line, and if you want to make it really exciting, you can put down a little bit bigger money on that one. I, I don't. I wouldn't feel too bad about that. I do think Reyes too much of an athlete. Uh, like I said, if you have a good athlete who picks up fighting and can get a fight IQ down the way I think uh, Reyes can, it's going to be difficult to stop. I think Reyes wins the title, and then I think he's going to go on and fight either Anthony Smith or um, one of the other sharks that are circling yeah, the water. If right you might as well probably face Rakic or probably the winner of that Teixeira Santos fight coming yeah. up soon. Surprisingly, um, Teixeira I think is on a four or five winning streak right now. Yeah, so not bad for him. Old man has got his back. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm going to go with Dom Reyes as well. Um, just because watching that John Jones fight where he basically won it, um, I think it's it's kind of ridiculous to, to pick Jan Bohovic right now just because Reyes is um, his athletic ability and his knockout power and just um, he's six foot four. It doesn't look like it, but the man is, is he's, he's he's massive. It's it's crazy. To he's think got a strange him. build for sure. He has a very strange build for light heavyweight. I think he I think he wins. I'm gonna give him the knockout in the. Second round, um, I, I, I think it's going to be a great fight, though. I'm, I'm a lot back and forth, but I'm going to give Dom Reyes the uh, nod in that instance. Now for the main event, um, one of the biggest main events we've had in recent history, especially for the middleweight division, we have Israel Adesanya, who is 19-0-0, uh, minus-180 favorite, coming in at 6'4", 185 pounds, um, and Paulo Costa, who is 13-0-0, 
plus 160, who is 6'1", 185 pounds, and Adesanya has an 8-inch reach advantage. Um, Rev, I'll give you the first nod here because you're, um, you got, I'm probably, I know exactly where you're going with your Nigerian descent here, so I probably know exactly where you're going with here, but who, who you got in the main event? Yeah, um, like you said, I'm going with Israel Adesanya, and yeah, I just can't wait to see this matchup and to see how Israel Adesanya figures Kosa out because Kosa, he's going to come in, do what he does, bum rush you, get you up against a fence, you know, land those flurries and kind of kind of work his way in, starting off with like the long distance strikes and body kicks. And once he gets you up against a fence, he'll really unload and unleash. But I feel like as the fight goes on, Kosa won't have as much success maybe around two, around three, being able to do that as Adesanya figures him out. He's going to be able to keep him at range, keep him at a distance, pick him apart. And I believe in round four, Kosa's going to find find a way to run into something hard or run into something, whether it's a precise knee up the middle or an uppercut like he landed on Whitaker. Ultimately, I think he's going to start to get tired and he's going to end up running into something. Yeah, <clears throat> the last style bender is a perfect nickname for him because he does morph his game around what's going to be best to beat you. So what he did with Whitaker was able to get that knockout, and he looked a little bit like Floyd Mayweather. Obviously, a lot more active, but the defense. And if you watch that last hook that put Whitaker to the canvas, there was a punch flying two inches right over his head. So he had to be precise. And I think his striking is probably the best in all of MMA. Um, you know, there there's some arguments that could be made, but it's definitely towards the top of of everybody that's fighting in a cage right now. So uh, I think Adesanya beats. Costa. Costa might be able to push him to the limit. He's a similar size to Gaslam, and Gaslam pushed Adesanya to the limit. But I think he's, this is going to be a, a big title defense for Israel Adesanya, the final style bender. Yeah, the, the, the final style bender, Adesanya, is a, it's just, I think is the biggest test of his career so far. No um, I, I, I'm going to be the odd man out. I'm going to go with the, the overly inflated balloon animal, Mr. Bartina. He looks like he has like 14 abs. Yeah, the, the, man, the man, like we said before, the man cuts down to 185, but he's going to be weighing 220. Yeah. I believe Saturday he weighs night. up to 240 because there are times like, I, I believe like in the Romero Adesanya fight when he was when he was in the stands, you know, talking trash after the fight, like Costa was looking somewhere around the range of 240, 230. Like, the dude is massive. The man like, looks like Ricky Martin. He's the eighth wonder of the world. I don't know how, or what is the ninth wonder of the world. I don't know how he cuts down to the weight that he does. But, yeah, he's definitely going to give Adesanya a challenge. Yeah, for me, that's that's why, I, just because I want to I want to see some fireworks. I want to have some fun, man. I'm going to be live streaming the UFC card along with the Nuggets game on for Saturday sure. night. So, if I'm gonna, I want something so I can turn my head away from the Nuggets game. And if Costa <laughs> knocks out Sanya, I'm gonna lose my lose my shit. Because oh my god, that's gonna be so much fun to watch. But because I because I don't know if Sanya has the power to do that in round one or two. Maybe he doesn't round four or five. But I want a first round knockout, and I think Costa has the edge if we're talking about first round KOs. Um, so that's that's the that's the main card um, for. Saturday night, um, Rev. I want to thank you for joining us and having Thanks having you having along me, with man. all this. It was it was a pleasure hearing you give your your jabs about it because you're obviously very very knowledgeable about the about the sport. Um, it, it, we'll have you on Beats of the Week. Be 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 ready for that if you're listening to this episode. Um, that it should be posted already. Uh, be sure to follow all of all of me and Jimmy's uh. uh 
beats that we had on Thursday as well. I, I picked Costa at plus 240, but he's plus 190 right now, so that changed also. So there's a little bit of difference there. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, I believe he had another. He had the Matthews parlay as well. Um, so be sure to hit those as well. Um, Thank, uh, it was a pleasure getting to meet you, Ref. Um, it, it, this is a lot of fun. I'll let uh, Jimmy give give his little, little little spiel. Like I said at the beginning, follow the podcast on social media, Instagram and Twitter at FEOTBpod. Follow Rev on Twitter and, and Instagram, right, at Rev Coco. Um, and, and he's actually kind of Twitter famous. Got to, got in a couple. For a night. <laughs> got, in, got into an argument with a UFC heavyweight. No big deal. Uh, but yeah, Rev, thanks for doing this. I, I knew that you were going to be a good person to bring on, especially for uh, all MMA episode. By the way, if you ever want us to hear talk, want us to talk about MMA again, we need like a, a three week break after the hour and ten minutes that we just spent on it. We're obviously going to talk about the results, but that was a lot more MMA talk than I think any of us expected to get into. But I think it was all good. So thank you, Rev. Um, and thank you guys, bench warmers. Be sure to subscribe to the show, follow the show, like the show, rate the show, review. Um, Don't keep, forget to follow everything unhinged as well. Yeah, like yeah and we're glad to be working with our network unhinged, and they're at network unhinged on Twitter and uh, at unhinged sn on Instagram. So we'll, go follow we'll, them yeah, too. We'll talk a lot about that a lot more coming next week on next week's episode. We'll talk about um, what the show times where you can follow where you can. Um, watch the live shows, what's going on with the other shows, and all that good stuff on next week's episode. Yep, so without further ado, for Nico Bryant, Rev Coca, Jimmy Pilato, this has been Far End of the Bench episode, bonus episode, MMA Breakdown. We'll see you guys next week. Peace! This is the dollar bill. Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them pipes and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire to be. Elephants again, head of me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man, I got the plan. I call the shooters, they out with the van. Play with the squad, get piled like a sand. Piled like a perk, I'm going ham. I'm going crazy, I'm yeah, sticking up for nigga. Let that music, I look a sand. I'm in the kitchen, compressing the bird. Take out a nine and I sell it for 30 to 30.